we're back with another episode of the they're here podcast and this is a long awaited episode i'm lacey lou and with me as always is derek boo boo what's up derek what's going on lacey long time in the making and, uh, we, and it's gone from various stages of how we were going to do this, but I think I I like when we came up with it because it's nice and easy that way. Yeah, we didn't have to spend like 12 hours binging four movies this time. We're just so busy, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah. So we ended up deciding to do, originally we had planned for you guys to do the entire franchise on our 10th episode which it only took us almost two years to get here. But (laughs) after this, hopefully we will be recording more frequently and getting some more episodes out for you guys so um, we can provide some content for you. Um, So we ended up just doing the first episode or the first entry into this franchise, Poltergeist 1982, which is, you know, where our name came from. (laughs) Yeah. Um, it, it's kind of crazy. Uh, I have a lot to say about it and we'll get into it, but I never thought I would feel the way I did about it was I was watching it last night. And the fact that I named our podcast this just because it was kind of a kitschy, you know, horror, famous horror quote. Um, I'm really excited to talk about this one, but before we get into that, um, have you been watching anything good lately? Uh, let me think. Because it's been a while, and you know, yeah, you know, uh, I know you got. We were talking off air about it, but I wanted to bring it up because I'm never. I probably won't do a show about it myself. I know you, you guys just released an episode today on the film, uh, the day of this recording, and that is uh, *Malignant*, the new James Gunn film, which I actually have. James Wan, I mean James. (laughs) Those damn Jameses, I get them all mixed up. I did watch *Suicide Squad* recently too. So maybe that's why it was in my head, you know? I love it. I love it. Yeah. Uh, weasel for life. Weasel! <laughs> but, yeah. But, uh, yeah, the new James Wan film, Malignant. And I have a very interesting history with James Wan. I like his movies. I hear a lot of, like, high praise for his, like, films like oh it's so original but then i'm watching like insidious i'm like thinking especially after watching this movie today i'm like the astral fucking plane fucking shit came from the fucking movie we're about to talk about today so how fucking original is that you know like <laughs> <laughs> exactly and you know like uh he he likes he's like a better version of rob zombie because he could actually mix it like his uh, influences into his actual work, I should say better. Uh, sometimes a little lazy. Like uh, you heard me on a few uh, shows. I'm not really the hugest fan of the Conjuring movies. Right. Uh, they're all right. They, they just feel like greatest hits of older haunted house movies to me, with satirized versions of the Warrens. That oh, I love you, Ed. Oh, I love you, Lorraine. And then you hear like the dark secret truth about them, and you're like, "Yeah, fucked up." Yeah, you know, like, <laughs> but uh, 
especially when you watch Conjuring 2, which if when you hear like the history of the movie, uh, the actual case, they were actually there for like a day and then it made it seem like they were there for a fucking five weeks or some bullshit. You know, it's like, what the fuck are we doing here? You know, fuck you, Lorraine Warren, fucking supervisor of this movie. Uh, but, you know, like, it, it, Malignant is the only horror film that I actually really loved and I loved his influences, but he made it his own because when I was first seeing the trailer for this movie, I'm like, because I, all I heard was like, it's his love letter to Giallo. I'm like, oh, it's another fucking ghost movie. What the fuck is going on? Are you fucking with me, James? Wan? And then I watched the movie and I love all the red tinges, like the black love killer look of this killer that we see. And I'm curious because I'm like, what the fuck is this? And you know, the movie made me laugh a few times. You're gonna, you you want us to put a POV on Sloth and the Goonies? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and then the twist happened and the reveal. And my mouth was dropped for the rest of the movie. I'm like, what? Right. They went, <laughs> you know, like, what the fuck? And then that whole, like, then they go full, like, Maniac Cop 2 in the police station. I'm not going to spoil it for listeners. You listen to, like, a, Lacey's Dan's breakdown of the movie to hear all that good stuff. But uh yeah, I enjoy it was a fucking roller coaster of a movie for me. Uh it's now my favorite James Wan movie. I loved it so much. Uh I hope he does more like mind-bending shit like this with me. And uh yeah, I really enjoyed it. And I, I still gotta actually listen to your guys episodes because it, like I said, it was just released the same day as we're here now. Literally, and like, here. yeah. So, and this episode will drop tomorrow. So, um, yeah, no. And did you go see Candyman? I can't remember. Oh, yes. Like, yeah. Did we talk about this on the cartoon or not the cartoon commentary, but uh, our killer cut commentary? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I, I don't think we actually talked about the movie per se, but I actually did go see Candyman in the theaters. Really enjoyed it. I went with my sister and her boyfriend. Uh, me and her liked it. Her, my boy, her boyfriend did not. Did he watch like the OG it. beforehand? He did. See, I feel like if you watch it like right before you see this one, like you appreciate it so much more. Yeah, the thing is, I think. Maybe it wasn't like it was like maybe he was expecting like a different type of movie too when he went to go see it. Hmm. Maybe because you know I I liked it because I actually did watch the the OG one before I went to see it too, and I kind of liked the the different direction it took to the other sequels. Yeah. Uh, even even though I have a guilty spot for Candyman too, Farewell to the Flesh. Uh, oh, it was so not good. as. <laughs> Yeah, it's not as bad as part three, though. Part three is pretty bad. The reflector book <laughs> cover. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Where you say his name. Uh, Where he says his name into the reflection of the book. <laughs> like, how <ridiculous laughs> <is> that? <laughs> and then Tim Allen's brother from Home Improvements, the main suspect. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. But yeah, I enjoyed Candyman for what it was. I liked they took they took it into a, like a sort of different direction, like I said, than the other ones, 
And I like that, uh, how much of the original it actually incorporated within the film while being its own movie as well. Uh, I dug it. I love the score. I love the finale. Uh, you know, tell everyone. Spoiler alert. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I dug everything. And, you know, I hope they make like a follow-up to it because where that movie left off, I'm like, it's about he's back, motherfuckers. <laughs> you well, know? It, did, it did really well at the box office. So um, if they're going by that, then I don't see why they wouldn't add on to it, you know? Oh, yeah. Um, you know, actually, after I saw Candyman, I actually went to the theaters again uh, the next Friday and saw Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. We still need to see which... that. We're going to go this coming weekend, not this weekend, but next weekend. I won't spoil anything for you because I know how you are like, I didn't see that movie yet, Derek. But, yeah, that's uh, why I had to <laughs> say it right away. <laughs> yeah. But I loved it. It was actually one of my favorite Marvel experiences in a while. It might be one of my favorite standalone Marvel movies in a while. Yeah. Yeah, I loved it. Yeah, it was great. And I won't say what happens, but when a certain character comes back, I was like, okay, this is great. I love oh, everything that's happening right now. That excites me. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I love how, like, uh, the action set pieces are and stuff like that. It's very awesome in that sense. Great fight scenes within the movie. Cool. So um, there's a little piece of news that just got dropped on us this week. Um Halloween Kills is going to be same day streaming as it is theaters. How do you feel about that? I think a lot of the companies are now seeing what's going on with like the pandemic and stuff. And uh, it could be either that. And, you know, it doesn't help that like, you know, the, 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 some of the negative reviews of the movie have come out, you know, it's just hard when, you know, you have those negativities within the you know the review statements of reviews I, personally i don't read reviews before i go see a movie i'll just judge the movie on my own usually and usually like if i read a bad review after i'm like what you know fuck you you know but uh it's like fucking i i think it's just a way like to incorporate they're seeing how the success of HBO Max is and a lot of the other companies are now going well, that route. Well, Paramount Plus and Peacock um, are the two newest streaming services. So I think based off of the success of what Candyman did, I think that Peacock probably paid a pretty penny for this movie. So I don't think it's actually going to lose any money. Um, probably because yeah. they paid for it to have it on their site because I think it's going to draw them in a shit ton of subscribers because like I said, it's, it's a new streaming platform. They don't have a whole lot on there just yet. Um, I mean, it just came out like what a year ago, uh, maybe less than. I think so. Yeah, I think and, so. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's the newest one Paramount plus was around before that, you know, I mean, it was CBS all access. Uh, mm -hmm. So, I mean, they've been around a while, but Peacock is new and I think they, withstand to make a lot of money with this movie going to streaming yeah for sure you know and uh i i i, I like choices there's certain movies where 
when I see like the because I watch trailers, I'm not like I'm gonna be like that. I don't like watching trailers anymore, you know. But uh, I'm glad I saw Mortal Kombat on HBO Max than <laughs> rather going to see it in theaters because I would have been a lot madder at that movie than I was. Well, yeah, you know? because you're paying 15 bucks a month for a whole library of movies, including that, you know. So it's like fan or people that are already subscribed to the service, it's like a treat that it gets dropped because you're already paying for it. Yeah, and if you like, say, if you wanted to go to the theater, you you like usually IMAX or Dolby, and that's usually like fifteen bucks on itself for a one ticket. Imagine paying fucking for three of them. Now, do you then, think they're gonna go like the Disney Plus route though and charge a premium? Yeah, Disney's fucking up with that shit. I think they would get a lot more subscribers if they just gave it for free for like. I, I like I, I like what they did with Shang Chi though. They're actually doing like the forty five. I wouldn't mind that, you know, like forty five days later, then put it on there. Well, I think that's then, what's gonna happen once like everybody like once the pandemic is simmered, when it, once it's under control, if ever. Yeah, yeah, for those anti fucking vaxxers, you know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we don't talk about COVID on this show. <laughs> we we don't. You, we we try to be happy. We try to we leave all that serious shit to other shows, right? Um, but I just thought it was a fun topic to talk about, and um, I'm still gonna go see it in the theater because I feel like that's how the movie should be seen. Hi, Jules. Um, I I, I mean I I mean I'll probably watch it in theaters and then i'll probably come home and watch it again so i can get the full you know experience from both yeah yeah for sure like uh myself i would probably uh, my buddy wants to go see it so i'll probably go with him because you know we went to go see the, the last one in theaters and i actually was a i i'm not like one of the halloween 2018 haters i actually enjoyed my time with that film yeah, and when I look back on it, would I do things a little differently? Probably, but I'm not also a filmmaker, so I'm like, what the, f-? you know, I just had my, I had fun with it for what it was, and you know, I enjoyed it a lot better than some of the other fucking sequels, because if you try watching Halloween 4, that movie's just a TV fucking soap opera for most of the movie. <laughs> what do you mean? So, yeah, like I said, like Halloween Kills, me and my buddy would probably end up going to see it in the theater. But I also like that, you know, maybe I could watch it at home too later on, you know. But saying like if it's another movie that down the line, they're like, ooh, I don't know about that. I don't want to spend that much money. I'll just go watch it on Peacock. So I, I like the choice, you know, that that's my thoughts on it anyways, you know. I do think it's cool that it will be available to watch like all Halloween season long. Yeah, that too, you know. Yeah. <coughs> Sorry, excuse me. I still have a bit of a cough, but I'm getting better. Um. <laughs> no, nah, it's all good. Like I choked on some of my Coca-Cola, you know, like uh, during this and like when I started to thought, you know, and it's like, <laughs> so I feel you. Um, well, with that, that wraps up kind of our movie watches and some news. So should we get into why people are here this hour? 
why is this happening? Oh, God. <laughs> this house is clean. Um, yeah, so why don't you take me through your history with this film? Let's not talk about any of the other films. Just base uh-huh. everything that we're talking about solely on 1982, Steven Spielberg slash Toby Hooper's The Poltergeist. Or it's not The Poltergeist, it's just Poltergeist. But yeah. Poltergeist. Uh, yeah, I remember seeing this at a very young age. I want to say either I was eight or nine, or maybe seven. I was, it was around that age, Rame when I first seen Poltergeist, I'm trying to remember who actually showed it to me because I remember it was a VHS. It definitely was my mom because she doesn't like horror movies. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it was probably one of my aunts who just watched it or she gave me, or I found the tape and I was like, I'm going to throw this on. And, you know, like the beginning of the movie, like I was like sucked into it. And, you know, it was like, that was the first time I ever seen the movie. And uh, I was like, whoa. And then, you know, we'll talk about it a little bit later, but, you know, a certain scene involving a stuffed toy happened, <laughs> scarred me for life. Uh, you know, and then, you know, there's other scenes that, uh, like, there's a scene involving a mirror and a sink area where a certain individual starts ripping his face off. And I'm like, what the fuck am I watching? This is not from my age group. And then I look at him like, but it says PG. But it's like, what the fuck is this movie? And, you know, that happens. And then, you know, it stuck with me ever since this film. And it's aged like a fine wine. It's it's still timeless. You know, I'll bring up some goofy moments later that I'm thinking, I'm watching as an adult, I'm like, would this really happen this way? And would this person be actually uh, doing this? But, you know, but that's all like minor things where I'm like, this is kind of goofy, this scene a little bit. But uh, yeah, I enjoy this movie immensely. It's a great like film for the generations. And, uh, you know, looking back on it, Spielberg films that are produced by him always have that Spielberg-esque feel to them mm-hmm. you know like the the Goonies and uh things like that Gremlins Ready Player One yeah well he directed that one <laughs> talking about the ones he just like produced Back to the Future they all well, kind of have like he actually direct part of this film like that's the big debate right like Toby Hooper yeah that's what I was trying to get into like like uh like, like every film that like he didn't direct but he like produced they still kind of feel like a Spielberg movie even if they're not directed by him so it's kind of you know when people say this thing about Hooper not being there because there's always like that thing that's going on where we see like interviews and you know like you see like uh, I remember watching the E! True Hollywood Story on this movie back in the day too and uh you know, Craig T. Nelson's like, Toby was there all the time. He directed me, you know. But then you hear, like, Zelda Rubenstein later on, like, no, I didn't listen to that fucking asshole. <laughs> well, she, she blatantly came out and said she didn't like Tupper because she could tell he was kind of high, so, had a drug problem and shit during the... This is, like, the beginning of, like, his big coke days. 
too, you know, the, during the mid 80s. And uh, she didn't really get along with him. So I could see why she would say she only went to Spielberg because he was he was there on set because, you know, you learn that this film was actually like filmed 20 minutes away from where Spielberg was filming E.T. and shit like that. And it's like, yeah, he was there and, he, you know, he has a force of nature. He wrote the screenplay. He worked with Hooper on the storyboards and shit like that. They they pretty much, you know, the way Spielberg said it, it was a collaborative effort. Like he, Toby would be the one who would do action and shoot the movie, but Spielberg was there and it was his idea and story. And you know, and it's a great collaborative film. But you know, during like the debate of this, it actually caused a little bit of bad blood between them over the years. And Spielberg actually had to apologize lately apologize of some shit that he said about Cooper is not like a no charge director but you know it's invaluable what he did do with this movie it's and you know watching like some later day Hooper movies I can see he did direct this movie like he did handle like visual style and movies like Invaders from Mars and Life Force later on so it's kind of a tough debate and, you know, I don't really want to say that Spielberg did direct this movie, but he was definitely there, if that makes it, because as a producer and, you know, you know, told him how he wanted to do it. And plus he wrote the screenplay and it's one of his only screenplay credits too. Uh, he didn't really write his movies and that's kind of an interesting aspect to it. So it does feel like a Spielberg movie, but it also feels like a Hooper movie to me too, in some aspects. Well, I mean, he at least probably directed some of it, you know, but I mean, people associate this movie more with Spielberg than they do with Hooper. Yeah. Which is kind of sad, like, because I feel like that's kind of what happened with, um, you know, <clears throat> I remember when that movie Clown came out, people thought Eli Roth did it just because he presented it. Or um, when Quentin Tarantino presented From Dust Till Dawn, people thought that, you know, that he directed it as well when it was previous, yeah. you know, um, Wes Craven with Wes Craven presents Wishmaster. People thought he directed that or Dracula 2000, um, you know, it, and unfortunately, again, it's happening. It, it, it seems to happen all the time with people that have produced and the director doesn't get the notoriety that they should with Candyman, especially the latest one. Um, you know, uh, Naya DaCosta directed it, but people think it's fucking Jordan Pill. So, yeah, yeah, for sure. Like, uh, sorry to cut you off there, but uh, it, yeah, you get that like with the orphanage, everyone thinks Guillermo del Toro directed the movie. I'm like, no, he did not, he only produced it, or like, Mama, which he just produced, he's just a producer on it. You know, it's like that example you're exactly saying, you know. Right. Like they think that just because their name's attached to it, that's automatically what they, you know, that they should get the credit for it. Yeah. Yeah. And, you, you know, it could be either way, you know, it could be in that sense where it could have been a situation where maybe Hooper wasn't, he just had too much coke one night and just did a bender and Spielberg was like, I'll just direct today, Toby. Take a day off, you know. So it could have been the other way around because you know he 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 was directing ET at the time, so he couldn't be the one to actually fucking say, 
lights, camera, action, you know. Every frame. There too. Yeah, you know, exactly. So he probably was, the, you know, drove down to see how the shoot was going and, you know, had an idea and probably did like, who we are. If I, if I was directing this scene, Toby, I would do it like this way and have Craig do this way with his movements and his expression and reactions, have Joe Beff do this. So I could see that kind of happening. Maybe like two directors talking about how they would do a scene together in that sense. Right, but, right. You know, but you 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 probably get because you know like if you watch like Goonies, it doesn't feel you know Richard Donner has directed like Superman and Lethal Weapon, and you're like it feels like a Spielberg movie in that sense, you know, <laughs> with the some Spielberg esque motifs with it. Yeah, I mean, and you could tell the difference between Grim. Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. Grimstone and what? I, I was not, uh, you know, like uh, when you see Gremlins and Gremlins 2, you can see like because Spielberg's not actually involved with Gremlins 2. Totally <laughs> different movies. Yeah. Uh, tonally yeah. as well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, I, I, I like both films, actually, though. I, I have fun with both. Um, now, <clears throat> Poltergeist definitely uh, admits the director-producer controversy. Um, it, this film has a lot of chatter about it with controversy because it's one of those films that they call cursed. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll probably get into more aspects of it when we actually do end up covering the sequels with certain other Feel like actors from within those films. We'll we'll just pretty much talk about like the aspect of the major one that probably happened during this film. Yeah, uh, which was uh the murder of Dominique Dunn, who plays the oldest daughter in the film. Uh, she died the same year the movie came out. It's kind of fucked. It's her only like film credit, you know. Uh, Dominique Dunn, of course, was a uh, the daughter of uh, the crime author Dominic Dunn, ironically, uh, the true crime guy. Uh, wow. And uh, his, her brother was uh, Griffin Dunn, who uh, was in like American Werewolf in London and My Girl is the Teacher. That's her brother. You know, uh, yeah, it's it's kind of sad because you know when I was watching that e true like Hollywood Mr. story Bix- on this, they Mr. talked about Bix- it. Please? Yeah, Mister Mr. Bixler. Yeah, yeah, that was her brother. Oh wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, uh, yeah, I was when I was watching the e true Hollywood story of this. Actually, a late actor Miguel Ferrer was a friend of hers in real life, Aww. and you know, and uh, he was talking about how abusive her boyfriend was. And stuff like that. He was a piece of shit, pretty much. And then, you know, no one was what happened, happened. He strangled her in like a car way, you know, like a driveway and left her there. And they didn't find her till a few days later, I think. And then she just because she was unconscious, she wasn't completely dead yet, but then uh she just died like a, a few days later. That's crazy. And you know, it's weird because like uh, one of the last uh, frames you see her in is when she pulls up to the house at the end of the movie, you know, she gets out of her boyfriend's car and she's like got like the red mark on her neck. Obviously it's supposed to be a hickey, but like, 
um, you know, it's one of the last frames, like we actually see her and, you know, to have a mark uh-huh. on her neck, it's, it's weird, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, it's, it, it's weird. Yeah. It's fucked. You know, it's just weird. Like knowing that now, cause I didn't know, of course we didn't know that when we were kids watching this movie, but knowing that it, it's kind of like, it leaves like a mark into it. And, you know, uh, you know, it, it's, it's a dark film, you know, like the curse goes on because, you know, like, uh, we'll probably touch more on this probably when we do do the third movie, but poor little Heather O'Rourke. Right. You know, that she was the star of the three films and we'll, we'll probably touch more on that too later. But uh, this, this franchise is fucked, you know, yeah. uh, with deaths. Um, yeah, my experience with the film, let's get away from that for now because we'll obviously touch more on that. Um, on episode 20 (laughs) but uh my experience was uh i grew up watching this my mom it was one of my mom's favorites so my mom introduced me to a lot of horror films and this was no exception um i remember like watching it but like i was never scared at it and i remember like specifically like laughing when i was a kid it's funny like i i feel like as an adult like i'm kind of getting like my that that feeling of being scared back you know um mm-hmm. and i'm getting that sorry my dog is crawling on top of me right now <laughs> and um there we go sorry i had to put her up <laughs> um I, I feel like i'm getting that feeling of being scared back which is cool because i was not scared of this movie at all um as i was stating I remember laughing like when her and Oliver Robbins are like with the clown and you know the mom comes in (laughs) and uh they're like floating in the air and like their little legs are just kicking and I don't know why but I always thought that was like really funny as a kid and I watched this movie last night in preparation for this podcast like I've seen it a hundred times but I haven't like watched it probably in over like a decade right um Mm -hmm. but like I just watched it as a refresher like I didn't need to but I just wanted to so I was like if I'm gonna watch this I'm gonna you know turn out all the lights and give it its full attention and so I turn out all the lights and this movie is really fucking scary and um the fact that it's pg-13 is or not pg-13 pg it's p it's rated pg the parents are smoking pot in it like there's scary shit popping up left and fucking right uh like this dude's face fucking falls off like i mean how is this movie pg but some of these other movies that like we see are like rated r is beyond me you know um this definitely should have had a higher up rating um but uh when i was sitting here watching it like I, i turned out all of the lights and it was really fucking cool. It was a really cool experience. I don't think I'd ever like sat there and like watch it like in the pitch dark before because like all the blue hues and like everything, like it like took over like my whole room um, the way it like lit up. And like when the lightning was happening, you know, with the TV, um, Spielberg really did, you know, I or Hooper, whoever did it really did create the atmosphere of it being like a TV that was left on, you know, at night with like the blue 
Like, you know, you wake mm-hmm. up it's just like blue. That's how the movie yep. feels. And it feels like you're like sucked into it. It was a total different experience than I've ever had watching it. And I have such more found appreciation for the film because of last night's watch. Not to mention, I had the scariest fucking dream I've ever had in my entire life. And I, I literally woke up screaming. Like, I was screaming, wake me up, wake me up, wake me up. And like... It was crazy. I woke up and I was like sweaty. It was really scary. <laughs> what was your dream? If you don't mind me asking. Um, well, I know I've talked about it before, but obviously like um, sometimes like I get triggered with sleep paralysis. Mm-hmm. And um, so I fell asleep and I was having that. And this time, usually like a figure will like come and like sit on my chest when I'm having this these episodes and it's really fucking scary and like it's like they're covering my mouth and like I can't like scream for help but like I I know I'm awake this time Mm -hmm. like I was dreaming but I didn't realize I was dreaming normally I'm very aware that I'm having a sleep paralysis episode when I'm having it and so the dream started out with like so I can't really like fully explain it but like I was walking and there were like these ghosts i also watched or i have to also mention i watched earlier in the day odd thomas so combine that with the poltergeist and that's probably what my dream was um so i would i was walking by and these things kept trying to like possess me and um yeah it was really scary and like i didn't feel like i was in control of my body or even in my dream And it was like, something was like trying to overtake me. And so I don't know what happened, but like, I felt like I was like trying to be possessed and like somehow something, somehow I realized like I was dreaming, like it clicked that I was dreaming. And um, yeah, so it was like holding my feet down and that's never happened before. And it was holding my arms down and something was grabbing my face, like trying to like suck the soul out of me or something or trying to climb into me. It was really fucking scary. And I woke up and I felt like somebody had been grabbing my cheeks. And yeah, I was like screaming and sweaty. And I looked over and there was like this light that I swear, like I, I might have still been dreaming, but it was like this light, like like escaped from my mouth. It was fucking weird. Jesus Christ. It was literally the scariest thing ever. Yeah, so that was really fucking scary. <laughs> have you ever had that? Have you ever had sleep paralysis or anything like that? I had nightmares before. It's usually this might sound a little weird. I always dream because you know I'm a dog lover. I always dream of dogs ripping me apart. Oh. And, have you ever uh, died in your dreams? Uh months but then i woke up because i fell because i jumped off a cliff so the dogs wouldn't tear my balls off oh because i because that's usually when i wake up is when they bite my balls off and I'm like, oh! i think that has to do with all of your extreme horror that you watch <laughs> maybe 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 <laughs> and mine obviously has to do with like all the ghost stories that i watch 
It could be. Either that or my killer animal movies. Yeah, maybe. Well, so yeah, that like, I think that added to the experience of me thinking that this is one of the, I think this has got to be like one of the top 10 scariest films of all time. Like, and the fact that it's PG, PG is just, it blows my mind. It really does. Cause I was legit scared watching this last night. <laughs> yeah. 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 Like, uh, this is actually one of the movies that actually created the PG 13 rating. As it should, it should have been rated higher. <laughs> You know, like, uh, they didn't have that. It was only PG, then went to R. And then films like Poltergeist and Gremlins were a little bit more tinge because, you know, there's people that actually get murdered in Gremlins. Right. Like, you know, like, and shit like that. And you're like, you know, should I be watching this as a kid? You know, like, uh, it's it's why I love the movie Psycho Gorman because that's like, the like, those movies you used to watch as kids that you know, you shouldn't have been watching like a little more tinge and, you know, that's like an over-exaggerated version of like one of those movies, you know, and, you know, that's the perfect example that I like to give, you know, this is a movie that we watched as kids, but we should maybe shouldn't have watched it at the ages that we did. My parents didn't give two flying fucks what I watched. Hey, I watched Robocop when I was five, you know, so my parents depend. My dad didn't give a shit, you know, the overkill of overkills of all time. (laughs) 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 Well, and and he's on video doing that. He will have to do that impersonation for you sometime, folks. (laughs) (laughs) Good stuff. So yeah, that's my experience with it when I was a kid into now. Is your experience the same now? There's some things that still creep me out about the movie. There's a lot of scenes that I'm thinking like, like, you know, like one of the, you know, the the nerdy, like paranormal research guy. The one you know, the one who actually Yeah, yeah. Before the skin falls off, he's like I'm going to go get something to eat. So I'm thinking, is he going to go order out? Because that would be the normal thing to do in this situation. (laughs) No, this dude just goes inside their fridge, takes out a fucking steak, and he's going to cook himself a steak. (laughs) You know? Like, what the fuck? (laughs) You know, like, (laughs) I'm just dying laughing. and like, like Like, the steak was just in there with no plate either. He just took the steak out. There was no plate or anything it wasn't wrapped or anything i'm like thinking like no wonder that steak did what it did <laughs> you know like i'm just this the idea that this guy was legitimately just gonna cook a steak when everyone else is sleeping just cracked me up you know like it's kind of goofy you know see i think the funniest part for me was when um uh zelda rubenstein's character uh, Tangina, is that how you say her name? Yep. Tangina. Um, and she was like, uh, you know, Diane was at the rope or whatever. And she's like, I'm going in. And she was like, you've never done this before. And she's like, neither have you. She's like, you're right. You go. <laughs> like, I literally bust up laughing at that part. Like, she's like so confident. But in that one moment, I think that was kind of like, I, I I don't know. Like, I don't know if they should have had that line in there for her. 
it, it was pretty it was like that cracker you know it's that like you know like she's she's knows what she's doing but then she's like yeah you're fucking right why the fuck do i have to go in there but she actually <laughs> like i think that kind of shows like um i guess now that i'm thinking about it that line is kind of important because after that happens she says this house is clean but then obviously the house wasn't clean because shit happens after she leaves yeah yeah uh and you know like there's that whole scene where actually i didn't notice until later viewings of this but she's like go into the light my children after diane actually goes inside yeah and in the background because i it's she's actually being made to do that because you see you see her shadow uh-huh but then you see another shadow of an invisible figure tampering with her. Oh, I didn't even notice that. Yeah, you, I noticed it, especially on this view. And you can see like the fingers of like this weird giant thing, which it's called the beast in this film, uh, is actually fucking with her and making her say those things. Oh, I didn't even notice that. I'll have to, because you're so focused on what Diane's doing at that point, you know, because she's going, getting ready to go in there, you know? Yeah, it was kind of creepy, like, when I was realizing, like, why is there another shadow there? And why is it doing things to her shadow? It's like, oh, a puppet. Yeah, it's making her a puppet, you know. This thing was so powerful that it actually took over her for, for a middle second. Well, you know, that's when Steve, Steven's like, well, you should not to go into the light. Diane! Diane! <laughs> Steven, no! Craig T. Nelson is a fucking stud. Like, I think he was a, an attractive older man back then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's actually a... Like, he's, he's coach. I love coach. He's fucking coach, man. He's coach. Uh, I also yeah, liked, a- I liked him in uh, Troop Beverly Hills, too. <laughs> uh if you ever want to see him play a great asshole action jackson plays the bad guy uh, he was a bad guy in uh devil's advocate as well wasn't he i think pretty, so i'm pretty sure like he was the one that like Cameron wasn't he in the skulls it. too yes he was coaches oh, everywhere no no wasn't that donald sutherland in the skulls no, it was, uh, I think it was Craig T. Nelson and William Peterson. I thought it was Donald Sutherland. Hang on, I'm going to look that up. I'm looking it up, so that's why I'm not talking at the moment. The Skulls. That movie's good. Craig. Yeah, I like it. I remember liking it. It's been a while. All right. We got Christopher McDonald. Oh, it is Craig T. Nelson. You're right. I don't know why. Yeah. I don't know why I thought it was uh, Donald Sutherland. I, I, I challenge you to a duel. Oh, uh, it's good stuff. But uh, yeah, I did Craig T. Nelson. Uh, uh, another movie that made, if you ever want to hate Craig T. Nelson movie, Turner and Hooch. I haven't seen that movie in years. I've seen that they just did like a remake on Disney Plus of it, though. Yeah, it's, my my dad actually watched it. He said it's not too bad. It's actually kind of like a soft sequel. 
Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I get. I haven't watched it, so I don't know. He will, like, he'll say like movies that I like suck. So I can't take his <laughs> fucking opinion as grand salt, you know. Well, I don't know. You like the woman, so. <laughs> I like him mean and dirty. Yeah, you what do. Can I say, like, I mean, I like <laughs> good mean movies too. I just don't like that one. <laughs> you know you know even when it came out you you get that decisive divisive reaction to it too which is probably one of the reasons i also kind of push it because it is a devices movie and i think it's important for that yeah you know well for poltergeist um you noticed that about uh, you know zelda's character uh, tangina but something that I noticed, and now I've never listened to anybody talk about this movie. I didn't like, um, I haven't listened to any podcasts on it. I, this was all just based off of what I noticed. So I don't know if anybody else picked up on this as well. But I think Wes Craven definitely drew a lot of inspiration from Nightmare on Elm Street. Um, or for Nightmare on Elm Street on this. Um, okay, so three things that I noticed was... The first thing I noticed was um, the black guy, he's wearing a, a green and red striped sweater. sweater. Um, mm-hmm. so that was the first thing that I noticed. The second thing that I noticed was um, when after Diane comes out of the light and they're loading up the car the next day and her daughter comes up to her, she's like, what are you going to do about your hair? And she has that gray streak of hair. Yeah. And then. Right. And then the third thing that I noticed was when she's laying on, when Diane's laying on her bed, she does the famous thing that Tina does um, when she goes up onto the ceiling and Mm -hmm. all the way up. So those were three things that I noticed that happened in Nightmare on Elm Street, which didn't come out till obviously 1984. So I never put those things together before. Did you? Not like I never actually ever talked about it. I always kind of thought that myself, especially on a few extra viewings. I'm like red and green sweater, like even in like the back of my head, because you know I actually watched this movie again with my mom today. Yeah, and you know I'm not gonna be mentioning like, do you think what? Because you know she's not like, I'll, I'll be like, mom, do you think that Wes Craven was influenced to do Nightmare on Elm Street because of this movie? I don't even know who the fuck that movie is. Fuck <laughs> off, son. <laughs> clean your room but it's a good theory right yeah yeah i agree i mean you know, there's it, three main puzzle pieces there and also actually when the face falls off and freddie's face falls off in the movie as well they it has a similar you know yeah skull yeah and everything yeah, you're and, right yeah so i mean I think he was heavily influenced by Poltergeist. And I've never watched an interview or anything. This was just something that I noticed on my own. So I was like, did I just discover something? So, I mean, I'm sure other people have probably talked about it, but I literally just discovered it myself. So, Yeah, yeah. Like, like I was kind of bringing it up when I was talking about Malignant earlier when I was mentioning Insidious. Uh-huh. Insidious is definitely kind of influenced by this movie too. It's legitly about uh supernatural things that you know they move from house to house in that movie too which the sequel kind of builds on a little bit more of this movie but the the four still follows them and also one of their kids is taken and they actually had to go into the next realm to get their kid back you know it's kind of 
It's been a long you know, time so, since I've seen it, so I am excited to watch part two, but I do remember that aspect of it. You know, and you know, and you know, especially in you know, Insidious is definitely influenced by this movie. And the only thing that they did different, they actually show you what the other where side of the world what the ghosts live in looks like, or their interpretation of it, you know, which I didn't actually need because by the look of when Diana and Carol Ann actually do come out of the world mm-hmm. and they're covered in that pasty shit. It's like, maybe I do not want to see where they were. Right? Like, what were they in? <laughs> were they in, like, a giant jello mold? <laughs> <laughs> Something. I Like, I, I don't know. It was gross. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, but I, I like that, too, because it gives you your own interpretation of it. Like, you could think about it on your own, like what would their world that world look like in there? And you know, that you kind of get the, another version of it also in the sequel. But we'll get into it when we get into the sequel when we actually sit down and watch it. You know, I don't want to keep bringing it up now because we'll, you know, it's been a while since I actually seen part two of uh Poltergeist. You know, I don't even sense. know if I've ever actually seen part three, to be honest with you. Uh it's going to be an interesting conversation where you actually get to that one episode 30 here we come (laughs) we got some time um no one thing that i think um i took away from this movie as a kid though i don't know if you did it as well but when uh craig t nelson comes in and the lightning's going on and he tells his son you know uh when the lightning strikes count and that's how far or how close the storm is to you and if it gets further away each count then that means the storm's moving away so that's something i Uh did as a kid after watching this movie like when the storm would get close i would count (laughs) and i would feel so much better after i actually kind of i remember i didn't do it all the time when i was a kid but I, i remember trying to do it a few times when i after i seen this movie so yeah, I, I've done that. You know, I, that's actually some good story because you know, actually, when Spielberg actually took some of his biggest fears and actually put them in the movie, yeah. the clown is one of his fears. The tree and somebody alive is one of his fears. He actually had a nightmare of that and put it on film. You know, now let's talk about that tree. <laughs> that tree wow. looked evil from the beginning. <laughs> Now, would you rather go up against that tree or the tree from Evil Dead? Oh, <laughs> that tree from Evil Dead is a horny motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, I think I, I'll take the poltergeist tree. <laughs> uh, you rather be eaten than raped. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um. No, I, honestly, I think the scariest scene for me, though, I think has to be, even though it's not scary and it's more lighthearted, it's when, you know, uh, the chairs are moving in the kitchen. Yeah. And um, I just remember, like, my mom and my sister, we used to live um, in this duplex when I was a kid. And, like, I never heard anything or whatever, but um, they would always talk about how they would hear the chairs moving by themselves in the kitchen at night. So, like, that's something that would, like, totally freak me out if I ever did hear it, probably just based off of their stories. But when I see it in this movie, it reminds me of that, you know? So that creeps me out. Um, and then little Carol Ann is just sliding across the floor. Yeah. Uh, 
that, that's some great acting by Cricky Nelson during that whole scene too. He's like the 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 reactions he does is great. It's great like reaction acting. I like to call it where he like he like takes the chair and he's like looking at it like like what the fuck is there something wrong with this chair? You know like. Well, and they're such stoners that, like, (laughs) (laughs) I even think that Paranormal Activity Part 3 was maybe even inspired by this because they remind, the couple and that, the mom and dad remind me of, uh, you know, Stephen and Diane. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good comparison, especially when that, especially when that movie takes place in the 80s, too. Yeah. So that's a good throwback to that, if, you know. They are very goofy in that one scene, though, when, you know, they're after that chair scene and they go into the neighbor's house to question them. Like, is it, you know, like they're like trying to blabble it out and they start, you know, Bill or whatever the guy's name is, they start laughing at shit. Like, the guy's just trying to sit down and eat his meal, you know, <laughs> with his ugly looking blonde headed kid. <laughs> well, should we talk about the ancient burial ground? You moved the headstones and left the bodies, <laughs> didn't you? You moved Why? the headstones, but didn't move the bodies. Like that's like like the most disrespectful. Like and weren't they? Weren't wasn't it real skulls in the pool with her? Yeah, they actually use real corpses. That's, that's fucked. Like, why would you do that? Authenticity. Like that is literally the most disrespectful thing. And I think that's what truly makes this movie horrifying. I actually heard rumors about that too. Like maybe that's one of the reasons why this movie is so cursed is because they actually did use real bodies. Right. Like I live down the street from a cemetery and that creeps me the fuck out. I actually live, there's a cemetery right outside my house. Yeah, like if I go outside and walk like three feet and peek around the street, there's a cemetery right there. Yeah, you just never know. (laughs) So like obviously where I live probably definitely factors into me being more of a scaredy cat these days. (laughs) Um, But, you know, I, I was always saying, like I've said it on several podcasts that I'm always chasing that high of being scared. Like, you know, like when I was a kid, but I don't feel uh-huh. like things like typically scare me, like paranormal activity scared the shit out of me. So, um, but it, it was so weird to, I, I, I just threw this on thinking like, oh, this is going to be an easy watch. You know, it didn't scare me as a kid. Boy, was I wrong. <laughs> you get that. You get that. I actually just recorded a video uh, on my YouTube channel and you know, like actually, when I was a kid, the weirdest things used to scare me. Uh, I actually just talked about this with uh, Scott and Heather on uh, the show that we just did. And, you know, we mentioned Gremlins 2. And I went to the theaters to see Gremlins 2. And the thing that scared me is the thing that you probably would not think about scaring me. It was, uh, the you know, the evil Gremlin with the mohawk in that movie? Yeah. His mogwai form scared the shit out of me, and I didn't watch the rest of the movie. Oh, really? Not just not his gremlin form when he's a little furry creature. Yeah, <laughs> that scared the shit out of me. Yes, 
you know and also like fucking uh, uh another thing that scared me when i was a kid friday the 13th part two scared the living shit out of me uh, roller skating vampire or no I th- i'm sorry i thought you said fright night part two imagine that movie made me laugh (laughs) yeah friday the 13th part two scared me when i was a kid i woke up with cold sweats you know it's like certain movies like that when it depends on your age group and like time period but you know some movies get you yeah for sure well is there anything else you would like to talk about in regards to Poltergeist 1982? Uh, I just want to give a shout out to uh, the guy who actually did move the headstones and didn't uh, move the bodies. James, James Karen there. Uh, oh, uh, Karen. Uh, Return of the Living Dead. Yeah, I love him. I always love, like he's just, just such a great actor. And even though he's like in a small bit role in this movie, He's fucking gray. Like when he just walks in the house, oh, he got a little electrical problem here. What's all the cables? And then, you know, Craig T. Nelson's just trying to get him out of the house. And then, uh, the little the lantern outside the door like brightens up. Looks like he got a little electricity problem here, too, you know? <laughs> I just like his ticks. And, you know, like we did it before. I love the reveal. Like when Craig T. Nelson actually gets two to two together that they actually moved the cemetery beforehand and you know that's a great scene uh that's one of the best acted scenes in the movie and i just want to give a shout out to joe beth williams she's great in this movie and beautiful and elegant you know i love the scene it actually kind of made me tear up today when you know when carol ann's goes through her and she went she touched her soul she's like i can smell her you know, it's kind of sad, you know, it's kind of like, cause I, I, I'm not a parent myself, but I could understand that aspect where if I was a parent, I would be touched with that too. You know, it's cute. It's a cute scene in a movie. And I shout out to Jerry Goldsmith who does the score. The, the main theme of this movie is iconic as all hell, which is it's our opening theme our, for the, yeah. our show, you know? <laughs> Um, no, I also want to talk about like the final shot of when uh, they go stay at the motel and they close the door and then Craig T. Nelson comes back out and rolls the TV out. (laughs) Greatest ending shot ever. Right. He's like, fuck you, cinema. (laughs) (laughs) So good. Yeah, it's such a good movie. It's an amazing film, and like I said, it's definitely a uh, top 10 series of all time for me. Uh, let's get into our ratings. Derek? Oh. What can you not give this movie? If you rate this below what I'm actually going to give it right now, you're out of your mind. Right? It's a five out of five. This, this movie is a classic. It's stand the test of time. It's Clearly. W- <laughs> it's what influenced our to name our podcast this this movie is iconic as all hell and you know we could have did like a maybe even a three-hour show on this movie if you really wanted to get you there but we didn't you know if like tangina this movie is an icon and we got to keep it that way five out of five 
Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things like we could dissect and go into. Um, but I feel like this one is just like best enjoyed, like just by watching it. So I definitely recommend going back and like picking up on the details that we talked about in this and then letting us know what details that you might not have picked up on after like the millionth watch, you know? Um, I think that's what makes this movie fun. Um, this movie definitely holds up. It's scary as fuck. Um, I think it's more scary as an adult than I ever did as a kid. Um, yeah, and, and I, I thoroughly enjoyed it as a kid. It, it's iconic. Um, it's quotable. It's scary. It has amazing acting. Uh, the, the family's chemistry is next to none, you know? Um, like, I think they modeled a lot of families after this group, you know? I really do. And it's mm -hmm. very... It, this movie has sadness um you know it thinking of all the things that happened um you know later um with the curse and whatever whether there's a curse or not this movie has so much sadness behind it and uh, rest in peace Heather O'Rourke um and um the Don Dominique Dunn Dominique Dunn yes um and James Karen, who's passed now as well. Um, it, and Zelda Rubenstein. We, we, could, <laughs> we yeah, could go on forever. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, there's just, it, I just feel like there's so much sadness behind it. But like, I feel like that makes it special and it's timeless. And I think that if anybody talks shit on this movie, you have issues because this movie's a perfect five. Boom. Mike Jarvis like that Angie Kendrick gift. Boom. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and uh, with that, that closes out our 1982 episode 10 retrospective of Poltergeist. And we will be back soon with another episode. We're not sure what we're doing yet, but I'm sure we're going to cover some Halloween shit. Hell yeah. That sounds good with me. Yeah. So with that being said, uh, I am Lacey Lou. And I'm Derek Boo Boo. And we will catch you on the flippity flip when we're back. Podcast again. Bye.